Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. The Volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? Three and Out Podcast headed into Wild Card Weekend, baby. We got games, we got games, and we got more games. Uh, we will dive into a lot today. LaFleur fired. Derek Carr pens his goodbye and says he's open for business. Uh, we'll dive into some of the games, obviously, some some headlines, some storylines, as well as my man Stucky. Talk a little gambling. You want to put some shackles on some of these games. I think some of these, we're going to get a crazy upset. I don't think any of the, you know, the big, big point spreads, Miami, Buffalo, and 49ers, Seattle, there's going to be an upset, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Jags, whether it's old Thomas Brady. Uh, things get weird wildcard weekend. They, they get weird in the playoffs. One and done, baby. Uh, here's the plan for the next couple days. I'll have a podcast out Sunday morning. We'll, we'll do your mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. We'll have a little mailbag as well as reacting to that day's games. I'll have a podcast after Sunday's games for Monday morning, reacting to the long day of Sunday. And then we will have a podcast reacting to the Monday night game coming out Tuesday. We'll be joined by none other than Colin Coward, who runs the volume and is, you know, you might have heard of him. So that, that is the plan for the next several days. Podcasts, more podcasts, and we got content. Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered on the show. Also, you listen on Colin's feed. Make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out feed. Greatly appreciate all you guys spreading the love, sharing the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page if you like your videos. Got you covered there. And uh, yeah, let's dive into some football. Wanted to start with some breaking news before we dive in to the weekend. And this week, you know, is always a week. The first week for teams that didn't make the playoffs. Guys get fired. That, that is not abnormal. 
We've literally named it Black Monday. And one theme has been pretty consistent so far this season. If you pay a quarterback a lot of money, if you draft a quarterback really high, if you pay a quarterback a lot of money and give a lot of draft picks for that player, and that quarterback stinks or has a bad year or does not look good, the play caller is going to get fired. In Denver, the play caller happened to be the head coach. Adios. In Arizona, the play caller also had a, uh, happened to be the head coach. Adios. With the Jets, it was the offensive coordinator, Michael LaFleur. See ya. I always find this funny in the NFL because it's, let's face it, it's a scapegoating business. The guy at the top of the pyramid never wants to fire himself. So GMs and and the head coaches love firing their underlings when things don't go well, right? It couldn't have been Salah's fault. OC got to go. It couldn't have been the GM's fault. Director of scouting, personnel guys got to go. It's the way the league is. I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's just a uh, tried and true formula in the NFL. Like it wasn't Mike Vrabel's fault. The offensive sucks. Todd Downing, see you later. Now, Todd Downing got a DUI. There might have been some other variables there. But in this situation, like, Robert Sala has known the LaFleur family for like multiple decades. His best friend is the Green Bay Packer head coach, Matt LaFleur, who is the brother of Mike, right? So for him to fire this guy, clearly, does he just stop believing in the guy? Does he actually blame him for this guy? Because clearly the front office blames him. But does Sala believe that? And when you get in these situations with close friends, now, this is the business all these guys have chosen. They understand the ramifications of failing and failing in the NFL is not winning games and not winning games when you draft a guy really high is the result of the coaching. Typically, sometimes it's the players, but as we know, we can't fire the players like Russell Wilson probably wouldn't have been good this year if Bill Walsh was on the sideline. They can't fire Russell Wilson. They can't fire Kyler Murray. But like last year, was Cliff Kingsbury a good coach? Because you gave him a massive extension. So did you just randomly realize you were dead wrong 10 months later? Or did you not actually want to give that extension? You felt forced into it. I always thought it was funny in Arizona situation. It was like, can't let them go into a lame duck year. Why not? It's business. I mean, a lot of people go into lame duck years in contract. contracts. Welcome to life. This isn't college where you have to worry about the reason they don't let guys go into lame duck seasons is because of recruiting. You, you don't recruit in the NFL. I sign you. I draft you. Like Cliff Kingsbury, if you didn't think he had earned it, make him coach it out. What's he going to do? Leave? Quit? Of course not. You did not need to give him that extension. Now, in the Jets situation, like obviously LaFleur, and it was well-documented, just like Salah and just like that organization, was all in on this player, which I always thought was crazy. I thought they should have taken Justin Fields. But this is the type situation of, I have one question here. Does this move indicate, and I know Woody Johnson says that they will do what it takes and be aggressive to get a free agent quarterback, even though there are some limitations of the amount of guys that you're even going to have access to. And we'll get to Carr here in a second. But does this mean that they're blaming LaFleur and not necessarily blaming Zach Wilson and think that Zach Wilson is a reclamation project? Because I've said over and over, I've seen enough. And clearly, it doesn't matter what I think, his teammates have seen enough. They were completely out on him. I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking, a lot of time would be strong, but it definitely has crossed my mind multiple times in the last week. Shows you, I mean, do, do I have a normal life that these are the things I'm thinking about? Like, why do I care about Zach Wilson not playing in the Week 18 game? But I did. And it hit me all week. 
In what world, in a game that did not matter, the Jets could not make the playoffs, playing the Miami Dolphins, who obviously were playing to get in. But I understand during the season, benching them, making them inactive, making them get a step away. But in that game, like, talk about development. Why wouldn't you just have him have more reps? They can give whatever justification they want. That shows to me that the coaching staff was out on the guy. Now, the front office and the ownership, are they ready to pivot? Because typically, and this is I've given Belichick a lot of credit over the years for this, he will move on very, very fast. No personnel guy in the league moves on quicker from missed draft picks, and Bill's had a lot of them, than Bill. Most GMs can't do that because, listen, we're all human beings. We all have ego. We all have pride. We want to be proven right. But the reality of any industry is you are going to make wrong choices. You are going to make mistakes. Every single human, whether you're Jeff Bezos, whether you're Steve Jobs, or whether you're just, you know, a dude flipping burgers, not every burger is going to be perfect. Can you pivot from your mistake? Like, can Joe Douglas look in the mirror and go, I fucked up. I picked the wrong guy. We have to be willing to move. Or does he think, Robert, you got to fire your offensive coordinator. We get a new offensive coordinator in here. We get a different, you know, philosophical belief when it comes to schemes. And this guy can excel. Because if you wanted to have a knock on the floor, and listen, no one knows if he's good or not. He'll eventually get another shot. He'll eventually, like, everyone gets fired in the NFL. Welcome to the club. But it might be proven as time goes, and this is what I would bet on, Zach Wilson can't play. And more than likely, if the front office and Joe Douglas has the juice because he's in Woody Johnson's ear, that Zach Wilson survives and he gets an opportunity to play next year, he will be the undoing of everybody. Now, if they're willing to go get a veteran guy, I don't know necessarily who that guy is, and they have success, because let's face it, next year, it's playoffs or bust for Robert Sala. They miss the playoffs, he's going to get fired. And Joe Douglas, more than likely, adios as well. See ya. And their undoing will have been the quarterback. So this, uh, listen, if I was an offensive who's coming to that job? Uh, obviously, position coaches that get a huge raise, but that is a position to me that would not be uh, in great demand <laughs> if I had options as an up-and-coming offensive coordinator, as just any offensive coordinator, because th- that is very, very risky. Now, they do have talent. Uh, but like I said, the expectations there are going to be super high. It will be playoffs or bust. And this is what happens when highly drafted guys or highly paid guys struggle. Coaches get fired. And in, in the NFL, when it's a quarterback, the play caller immediately goes. And speaking of a play caller who struggled this year, Josh McDaniels, because Derek Carr, who had a consistent career, we can say overrated, underrated, however you want to quantify it. His career resume, especially the last several years from a completion percentage standpoint, was dramatically better than we saw this year. But regardless, you hire Josh McDaniels, he's going to do what he wants to do. Same thing with LaFleur. Like, maybe Zach Wilson in a different scheme would be better. LaFleur is running one scheme. It's the Shanahan scheme. Josh McDaniels is running one offense. It's his offense, right? So him and Derek Carr did not mesh. It didn't work. I, I said over and over, had no problem with them benching him. The thing where he goes home, that's a fucking clown show. And if the Raiders sent him home, what a low-level operation. If Derek tapped out, I'm sorry I judge you a little bit. Guys get benched. They stand there on the sideline. Carson Wentz gets benched all the time. He's always standing there on the sideline. Matt Ryan benched. Been an MVP in the league. Stood there on the sideline. Like This is the big leagues, man. 
You, you can't just put your tail between your legs and go home. But I'd also say this, having had a front row seat to Dorada's crazy weird place. I, I never quite understood why Derek felt so much loyalty to a place that was eventually going to throw him in the trash can. And that's what they did. Now, Derek, listen, sometimes he says some things, come on, man. And he always said that if I'm not on the Raiders, I will retire. And he put out an Instagram post today that basically rolled that back. Like, listen, I said it. I meant it. Well, I kind of meant it. Unless this circumstance played out the way it did, I'm back. And I'm open to opportunities. Now, if you've listened to me, you know where I stand on his stance on this. He has a no trade clause. In life, you only get leverage in business so many times when you are not the business owner. And even then, I've had many business owners tell me over the years, we all kind of answer to somebody. We all, like, there's always someone typically in most businesses above you that you need, that you are dependent on. So even if you're, quote unquote, the boss, the owner, you are still dependent on someone else, whether it's people that control your supply chain, if it's in the business we're in, the advertisers. Like there's always a push and pull. And to me, Derek Carr has true leverage here simply because he has a no trade clause. And to me, under no circumstances, do I allow them to trade me? You're going to cut me. I know you will. And then I become a true free agent. And what do we say all the time in free agency? The reason these guys get overpaid is because the supply demand never, you know, never equals each other. There is always way more demand than there is supply. Most of the great players like, oh, this guy's a free agent. This guy's a free agent. And actually, no, he's franchise tag. Actually, no, this guy's franchise tag. That's usually not the way it works. The above average player, a guy or two at a position might hit free agency. But for the most part, you know, it's middle of the road players. Every once in a while, the Ravens get rid of good players. Uh, Bad organizations get rid of good players. But for the most part, the premium Pro Bowl level guys do not hit free agency. And I'm not saying Derek is that guy, but quarterbacks of his caliber and of his resume when he's still young typically just don't hit the open market. And when you hit the open market, you not only are going to get more money, you get to control your own destiny. And I know the Raiders, like, dealing with trades, like, screw you. Like, I don't, why am I going to allow you to benefit from this transaction? So to me, the number one thing with Derek, when I force my hand and force them to cut me because they will. And because the way they set up the contract, it will not hurt them. It would be a clean break. Is listen, I've been around Derek since Fresno State. I've watched his career very closely. He should want no part in New York. He would get eaten alive in that market. One thing when you play for the Raiders, like for the majority of his career, they've been bad. And when you're bad in the NFL, the microscope isn't really on you. You're not playing in Sunday and, you know, obviously in the playoffs, but Sunday night games late in the season with Al calling your games. Last year he did, and he had some success in that game against uh, Justin Herbert. But, like, that's probably the biggest game he's ever played in. And then the playoff game, which he lost, and he spiked the ball on the 10-yard line. You do that shit for the New York Jets, you would not have come back the following year. So if I'm Derek Carr, one, I'd like to go to a dome. I would like to play indoors. I think he's tailor-made to play indoors. Problem is the Colts, who make a lot of sense in theory, I have no clue who their head coach is. I have no clue who the coordinator is. And then the Saints, who are another team that would make some sense, easier division in a dome. Dennis Allen was the head coach of the Raiders when they drafted him. You know, I'd probably need some answers of like, 
you know, the, the personnel around them. Offensively, they haven't been very good, but the defense is set up. And again, the division, pretty crappy. But to me, the place that makes the most sense, Derek's a West Coast guy, born in Bakersfield, lived in Texas for a little bit when his brother got drafted, but then came back to Bakersfield, Fresno State, the Raiders, his whole professional career. I think Seattle makes a lot of sense. And I know Geno had a good year and had a better year than Derek Carr. Is that sustainable? Let's face it. I, I think Geno's an incredible story. Seems like a good guy. Easy to root for. I, I like watching guys that kind of go through the mud, that come out on the other end, just, you know, with a smile on their face and figure out a way to succeed. And he did. But I would bet against Geno having another good year. So if I'm Derek, I'd be like, wait, Pete Carroll, DK Metcalf, Kenneth Walker, they got a bunch of picks. Cut me. I want to go there. A stable head coach, a stable general manager, a stable winning organization, something that he has not been a part of. Now, obviously, the Seattle would have to want him. But if I'm Seattle, I would be very, very interested in Derek Carr. Because I think with our infrastructure and with our coaching staff, we could have a better version of what we just had with Geno Smith. Now, there are financial implications here. Geno is also a free agent. How much does he cost? Can I get Geno to come back for $10, $15 million? Because if I can't, I'd rather do that than pay Derek 35. But does Geno going to demand 28, 30? Because if that's his going market, then I'm out. And if I'm going to pay quote unquote premiums, uh, I know that's not the $45, $50 million, but we're not talking about that caliber of player. Uh, I think Derek makes a lot of sense in Seattle. And listen, it wasn't even my original idea weeks ago. I had a Seahawks uh, fan DM me, and uh, th that's where, if I was in Derek's camp, where I would want to end up. <laughs> I'm sure you're seeing, and if you're one of the teams with an with an open, open uh, coaching vacancy or an open GM vacancy, you're seeing all these guys get linked. Teams ask for permission. There are obviously these rules where you got to reach out to the team, ask for permission. I can't formally interview you till January 17th. A lot of moving parts. And th there are a million names flying around. Hell, you could follow the NFL closely and you see some names you're like, who's this guy? What? Obviously, the Eagles coordinators, D'Amico Ryan, some of the coordinators around the league, Ben Johnson of the Lions, you've be either had familiarity with or you gained it this season. And then there's always the retreads. I saw Jim Caldwell, Frank Reich, some of those guys. But I, I also think if you just look at the coaching carousel on a yearly basis, every year is a little different. And famously, remember the year Doug Peterson was hired, I think there were like five or six, might even have been seven coaches hired that year. And ESPN.com like graded him and Doug was an F. And it, you know, he was the last. I think uh Hugh Jackson got an A. So no one knows. And this is the hard part about hiring coaching, right? Like in most businesses, when I hire you to do a sales role, to do an accounting role, to do whatever, become my chef if I own a restaurant. I have some background of your success of doing that. If you're a sales guy, I've sold X amount. Uh, if I'm in real estate, I've this is what I've sold the last five years. In football, it's a little harder to quantify because, yeah, I can quantify this guy was a really good coordinator. Uh, this guy's team gave up this many touchdowns or scored this many touchdowns or led the league in rushing, whatever. But if you've never been a head coach, I truly don't know how you handle the whole room. And if you have been a head coach, there's no guarantee that just your second chance, you might succeed. Some guys do. Some guys fail. Right? I saw Pat Shermer get a second chance. Utterly failed. I saw Hugh Jackson get a second chance. Was a disaster. So, And I've seen coordinators 
on franchises that have had a lot of success, Matt Patricia failed. Now, obviously, all the Belichick guys do, but we can go around the league. Gus Bradley was with Seattle. They were crushing it, got the Jags job. They were awful. No one knows. And I think there's no greater disconnect, probably in any industry, given how much you have to pay a head coach, than the people hiring coaches. And this speaks for college, too. These ADs have no clue what they're doing. I mean, they, they get destroyed by Jimmy Sexton. No different than the NFL. These agents, the GMs have a little bit better understanding, but if they knew who was going to be good, they would never miss on coaches. So it shows you when you're dealing with human beings, it's no different than the draft. The reason a lot of people fail in draft picks isn't because the guy can't play. Sometimes that's the case. You know, Solomon Thomas, Cleveland Farrell, there are guys that had no business with their skill set being drafted that high. But I'd say for the most part, there are translatable skills. It's the wiring in the guy because we're dealing with humans. We're not dealing with an Excel, Excel spreadsheet here. And coaching, hiring coaching is, I say it all the time, GMs get so much credit for who they draft. I think the biggest thing they do in their entire career is who they if they have the authority to make a hire, who they hire as their head coach. And when you look at this coaching carousel, like I think D'Amico Ryans is an excellent candidate. He replaced Robert Sala, who became a head coach. The defense got better. He clearly high-level guy, team captain as a player. Kyle Shanahan swears by him. The team swears by him. Schematically, he's got a lot of different pitches. Robert Sala was a little bland. I think he's a better defensive mind than Sala. I know he's a great leader because, hell, I was with the Eagles when we traded for him, and a big reason we traded for him from the Houston Texans, even though he's coming off an Achilles injury, was because of his character, his leadership, how much the team and coaches loved him. So he checks a lot of boxes. But there's no guarantee that if he gets a head coaching job, he's going to have his success. There have been a lot of guys that check a lot of boxes and then fail. And no different than a draft. Typically in a draft, let's just uh, use this upcoming one. There are going to be a couple players that are far superior than the rest of the draft. Now, that doesn't guarantee that they are going to excel once they're in the league. A lot of different variables. But like Bryce Young, Will Anderson, and Jalen Carter are dramatically better prospects than a guy that's like the 30th best prospect on a team's board. And I think when you look at this coaching carousel, there are two guys that are in a completely different universe than every guy we're reading about. Former coaches, coordinators. I actually don't even think it's close because they got a resume. You know for a fact you get them, they will succeed because that's what they've done in their career, succeed. That's Sean Payton and that's Jim Harbaugh. Now, where Sean Payton gets a little complicated is you have to give up a pick, right? And who knows? I, I, I've said all along, like I, I think the Saints are being a little... Arrogance the wrong word, but a little overconfident. Just think they're going to get a first round. He's never coaching for you again. He's All these coaches that have been traded, they were literally coaching the team. Like the Saints have a different coach. So I, I actually think that you can get a deal for Sean Payton. Could be proven to be wrong. But if you just look at it from a business standpoint, the reason John Gruden got traded for much so much, he was literally the Raiders coach. Dennis Allen is the Saints coach, not Sean Payton. He's been gone for a year. So there is a little bit of like, you got to take what you can get, man. You, you, what, are you just going to sit on this asset? Because eventually it runs dry. He's only under contract for two more years. So you better take advantage of it now. Are you really going to turn down a second and a third? What if they're like, we're going to hire this guy and here's our offer. You're just going to say no? Okay, well, what about next year when he's under only under contract one more year? You better take something. If I'm Dennis Allen, I'm going, hey, we can get a second and a third now. I'm actually utilizing Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis's 
desire to have success. I think this lock that they're getting a first round pick is is a little laughable. Well, laughable would be strong. I understand where they're coming from, but I, I don't think it's guaranteed by any means. But to me, Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh are in a completely different universe. So if I'm the Denver Broncos, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, those are the only two guys I'm honed in at. And I'm honed in on those guys until they both say no. Beca- and then I'll start. Obviously, you have to do your due diligence. I have no problem interviewing these other guys, but I, I don't see how any GM worth their salt, any owner worth their salt could have any other list beside Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh. And honestly, whatever order you want it, because I've seen Jim beat Sean. Obviously, Sean has a Super Bowl. Last time I checked, that's a long time ago. And I'm not diminishing Sean. I think he's an excellent coach. Honestly, what he accomplished with Drew Brees, who's somewhat shell of himself the last couple of years of his playing career, was still pretty impressive. They won a bunch of games. But I, I just I find it funny when you see all these coordinators like, who's this guy? What, what, this guy's from where? Um, and yeah, so I, I just think that th- th- these two guys are just in a different world. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. 
See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Really quick on the wild card weekend. Uh, just I just want to hit some big storylines in each game. Obviously, the 49er game, I, I talk about it with Stucky. The, the weather is going to be really shitty. And historically, guys making their first start, it can be a little iffy. There is an added pressure. Though I did hear Kyle Shanahan this week bring up a pretty good point that like, you know, the NFL every week, this is not the NBA or baseball where you just play every day, play every day. Like the pressure of the day is no different yesterday or tomorrow. In football, every game is pretty important. As you saw this year with the playoffs, like teams fighting for seating right until the end of the season. Teams fighting to make the playoffs. Every single game, every single snap, every single half matters. So this guy, when he took over, the 49ers were 7-4. and four. It wasn't like they were 11-0 and 0 and they were just cruising to be a one or two seed. Like They had to keep earning it every single week. Even last week, playing the pretty embarrassing Cardinals, they had to win that game to have the two seed to allow them to have two home playoff games. And so to me, Brock Purdy has been under pressure. Obviously, playoffs, completely different animal. It's a one-and-done sport. This is not, you're not playing a series. You fuck up. You have a couple bad throws in a game can end your season. But I expect Brock Purdy, this game, I don't know. It's going to be weird because of the weather. Uh, It's cyclone, rainstorms, bomb cycle. I I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, Don't miss being there right now at all. But it's supposed to get a half-inch rain on Sunday. The field's sloppy. To me, that neutralizes the game. Still, I don't care if you're playing on sloppy field. I don't care if you're playing on ice. I don't care if you're playing in the backyard. I will pick the team that is dramatically more talented in this game. But I I do think just Purdy, just he has been very, very calm and collected. Like One thing, when you watch him play, he's not frenetic at all. He does not feel like a rookie quarterback. That, That is one thing I'll be keeping an eye on. I expect the Niners to roll. Uh, the the night game. I, listen, I, I think the Jags are playing with house money. I expect them to lose this game. The amount of pressure on Brandon Staley and this bad boy is, is high. And there are some rumors, you know, like, is this guy lasting if they lose? I think he's gone. Now, someone texted me today, like, I wouldn't just put Sean Payton there. Not because Sean wouldn't be interested. That's not really the Spanos' MO, right? They're a little cheap. They ain't used to paying $22, $23, 24000000 million for a coach. Uh, especially if they get into some bidding war with Denver or Carolina or whatever over Sean Payton's services. But I, I just think if Brandon Staley can't win this game as a favorite with the far superior, listen, Trevor Lawrence had a good season. Justin Herbert's a much better player right now, especially we'll have to keep an eye on this Mike Williams thing. Like if Mike Williams is unable to play or shelve himself, you played him in that game. I get it was back spasms. It's not like he rolled his ankle. But still, man, I, 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 you know where I stand on him. I, he'd be adios, sayonara, see you later. But if he, if he wins this game, or excuses me, does not win this game, loses the Jags, I, I don't even care how cheap the owners are. I don't know how he survives. The Bills, Miami. Let, let's face it, there is not a soul alive, not literally one soul, including Dan Marino, 
in, including uh, Patrick Sertan, the dad, in, including O.J. McDuffie, Ricky Williams. You will not meet any Jason Taylor, who is going to pick the Dolphins in this game. Not, not a soul. <laughs> and rightfully so. They're playing with Skylar Thompson, who is not very good, who ironically was taken 15 spots ahead of Brock Purdy. So we got two seventh rounders in this draft, two rookie seventh rounders starting in the playoffs. One guy was taken to pick 247. The other guy was taken to pick 262. Little nugget there for you to tell your friends this weekend if you're having cocktails when you point at the quarterbacks. To me, the question is not about the Bills. We, we will get into their hopes next week when they probably play the Bengals. Is the Dolphin situation. Who is not going to have his fifth-year option picked up? That's, that's not happening. Under no circumstances, one, can they? And two, would they? So this offseason, like, is Tua's career over in Miami? Because if you're not going to pick up a guy's fifth-year option, it's one thing if your team's not very good, right? And you get a new coach and you just play out the string. It's another thing when the team is pretty talented and their game plan in 2023, this, you know, in 10 months, is going to be to win football games. Less than that, right? Six, seven months. So I, I think Tua's time in Miami as the starter it is definitely over, and I, I would wait this offseason to hear. You're going to start hearing rumors. The, the fifth-year option is not only not being picked up. I think the question is, is he on the team next year? Which, cutthroat league, like this guy's getting his his noggin rattled for you, but it's a sport. You know, it's, it's the reality of the business. This game is probably the most intriguing, the Giants and the Vikings. Um, if Brian Dayball not only makes the playoffs, but like the real playoffs, not the seven seed, the six seed, and then gets a road playoff game uh, victory. I, I don't care how flawed Minnesota is, their point differential. They still won 13 games. If Brian Dable goes on, the, and they have a fantastic home field advantage in terms of the crowd, the noise, the skull chant, it is pretty sweet. Like There's nothing like 10 minutes before a Minnesota Viking game, especially a big one, at home, in that dome, everyone doing skull, someone blowing the horn. It's it's badass. Like If you like sports, it's cool. And if Brian Dayball goes, I'm going to pick Minnesota strictly because I think everyone's picking the Giants. And from a gambling perspective, you always want, if everyone's hanging right, hang a left. Uh, so, it, but I'm not discounting their ability to win this game. We'll see. If, is Daniel Jones just going to look cool, calm, and collected in a playoff game on the road? That would be a remarkable accomplishment. And if he does, Shit, I might give Brian Dable an extension if I'm the Morrow family. But uh, and, and the other thing is, if Minnesota wins this game, Cousins would then have a couple playoff victories. I wouldn't say it's been a home run because they've given him a ton of money, but it's gone pretty damn well. I would say it's gone much better than most of us haters, and that's what I was with Cousins, ever thought his Minnesota Viking kind of career was going to go when he left Washington. He would have multiple playoff victories. The team has been very, very competitive. Even last year, right? It wasn't his fault they missed the playoffs. The defense was like historically poor. So uh, I'm actually probably the most excited to watch that game and, and probably this game. And the elephant in the room on the night game, the Bengals and the Ravens is like, is it over with Lamar? Because I always say this, like, you know, the teams are in control. It's a front office league. Honestly, it's why it's, it, it resonates with so many fans. Because when I got a sweet player, he can't just leave. In the NBA, in baseball, when the hit free agency is like, I don't know if the guy's coming back. Even Yankee fans are getting a little nervous, right? Is Judge really going to go to the Giants? Well, in football, it's like, no, if I want you, I get to keep you. And who that benefits is the fans. When the fans benefit, the league booms, and it's been huge for the NFL. Listen, you can say it's anti-competitive, not great for the players. Don't totally disagree. 
But the franchise tag is great for the business of football, the interest of football. It keeps star players playing for teams. Look at the NBA. Guys are bouncing around like mercenaries. How's that going? Not great. So I do wonder, though, you get to a point, even when the team has control, they can keep franchising tagging this guy. If Lamar could have played and didn't, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't risk it either. But like, does the team ever look at him the same? Now, you could argue, like, I don't blame them for being mad at him. But also, like, how are you going to upgrade this offseason? Maybe they just go, we flip him for a bunch of picks. It doesn't, as of right now, recording this on Thursday, it does not look like Lamar Jackson's going to play in this game. I do think for the first time, and I, I'm usually on the side of the guy's going to stay, franchise tag, he's going nowhere. It usually takes kind of crazy circumstances. Like last year with Devontae Adams, he was a free agent. Like the Packers didn't need to let him go, but he told him, like, listen, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me. And they found a trading partner and it kind of worked for both sides. But the Packers like didn't want to keep fighting with them anymore. I wonder if you get to the point, obviously, Devontae had been there a little bit longer and they had already paid him a second contract. Are we there with Lamar? And because I would kind of lean, it feels like we're getting closer and closer to maybe I would start entertaining the idea that, yeah, I could see him on a different team next year. The Jets would probably make some sense because if I'm Woody Johnson, I'd want a big splash. And on Joe Burrow, he had a good quote today of talking about like, you know, the arrogance it takes to be a great player. And I, I do think he had the quote, was it last week, about their Super Bowl window? He's like, as long as I'm here, our window is open. There is just something to this guy that, you know, I I always appreciate a late bloomer, right? And I know he went to Ohio State out of high school, but he got beat out by Dwayne Haskins, Urban Meyer, from uh, some sources that I knew, wasn't the biggest Joe Burrow guy, goes to LSU, obviously didn't have a great first year there. And then once he won that national championship, he's never looked back. I know he had the knee injury his, his rookie year, but it was clear immediately like he could play. And th this guy just feels like he's got it going on, man. And it, assuming that they beat the Ravens, they're obviously big favorites. That Bills game, th there is going to be a lot of pressure on the Bills, who a lot of people have picked to, to win the Super Bowl. And more than likely, the, the Bengals are going to be an underdog. I, I wouldn't bet against this guy. I, I wouldn't. Now, they haven't been in this position I mean, he ha he has with the with LSU, but like the franchise, the coach, like they're kind of the hunted. Like J John Harbaugh and Stucky and I talked about this. It's like, wait, we're just enormous underdogs, and rightfully so, we're playing with Tyler Huntley. But like, you're the big bad wolf now, and I, I'm always fascinated to watch franchises, uh, watch organizations, watch teams, how they handle being the hunted, and. Uh, yeah, because, it, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if the Bengals just beat the crap out of them. It, but it also wouldn't shock me if they keep this thing close just because the Ravens do have some, like, um, you know, organizational metal. I mean, they, they, they have some championship pedigree. I, I know they haven't won a championship in a long time, but the head coach has, and the organization just has a win. They've been winning a lot longer than the Bengals. But at the end of the day, Burroughs just might be the pendulum that that swings that this quote unquote rivalry, divisional rivalry, the other way for a long time coming, especially if Lamar is on his way out. Okay, it's finally here. Playoffs rocking and rolling with my man Stucky, who went 37, 27, and one, 57%, which uh, isn't it true that if you are a successful gambler, it's like 53%. So you're uh, you're well above that line, baby. 
What's up, Brock, bro? Brock Bowers, though. Did you get him the Brock Bowers party on uh, Monday? Hell night? yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Brock Bowers, man. TCU, uh, strong effort by uh, by the Horn Frogs. Yeah. The, the game, all you need to know is that there was, the total was in the 60s, and it went over with one team scoring once. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, I assume that we're going to get a lot more competitive games in the NFL playoffs, which I'm looking forward to, although it's uh, I know we're going to go through the games here. It's a weird weekend with like just the quarterback, some of the quarterbacks that we're going to see. It's uh, it'll it's definitely going to be some strange games. I'm not trying to be a downer because it is next week's better, but this week is still pretty sweet. Not a great weekend. You know, it's no. not one of those. You just look at the slate and go, gee, I can't wait to just sit around for, tw- you yeah. know, back to back days and watch football. There are definitely better regular season weekends than this week, but again, not going to complain. So let's just start with the one thirty kickoff, which I guess the moment the Packers got eliminated and it became Seattle, uh, I would imagine the Niners and, and the Packers would have been a night game and they would have flip-flopped uh, the Chargers in Jacksonville, but we're getting Seattle. Now, I, I, when it was early on this week, it was 10, uh, kind of like Miami game, it was much higher. There is a, I, I don't know if it's called a bomb cyclone or some crazy shit's happened in Northern California. A ton of rain, supposed to supposed to rain like over half an inch, uh, winds and cold. This is not your typical, you know, mid-January day in, in, uh, in Santa Clara. So I would love the Niners in a nice weather, dome, whatever, to destroy Seattle. They kind of have both times. Uh, the, the second game, the score was closer than than the actual game. But to me, nine and a half, when you're factoring in, I mean, this could just be a mush fest. Uh, and we know just in the sport of football, it gets weird. So I, if it's really going to rain like it's supposed to, and it has been, I, I, I think you would have to take Seattle in the points. Yeah, I mean, this I don't really love this game. But if, if, if you're right, if it was 10, I would take seattle um the bet that i'm looking at for this game is probably the under um especially when you factor in the weather i mean san francisco's defense has just been nails all year i mean it's hard for me to see with these conditions seattle's offense really having much success and then when you throw in the fact that look it's scary because seattle's run has been awful all year and san francisco is one of the best rushing teams in the NFL, they could just run downhill on them, and if they get a lead, they could keep doing it. But if the conditions are bad, and you know it's Purdy's first playoff start, and historically quarterbacks, no matter who they are, you can go Mahomes, Allen, whoever, they're you know quarterbacks making their first playoff start have historically struggled. So you know I, I could see that you know with this weather, Seattle is just going to load up the box, and then you're going to have Shanahan also as a favorite. He gets a lead with this weather with a young quarterback. He's going to start to play conservative. He knows he can yeah. lean on his defense. So I could see this game, and you know, final being like twenty three thirteen, and then being right on the number. Exactly. If it gets to ten. I'd look at Seattle. Um, uh, but, you know, historically, Shanahan hasn't been great as a big favorite because he'll be conservative. When he knows he can win, it's like fourth and one at the 10. Even though he knows he could probably run, he's going to kick a field goal. And that might cost you the cover, even though it probably uh, increases his, it might increase his win probability at the end of the game. So, yeah, I, under maybe Seattle if it gets to 10, that weather just pushes me over the top on looking at the under because I, I could trust the San Fran defense. And then knowing how Shanahan might play this, I think it's under or nothing. Yeah, especially if it's raining, he's been more inclined with Purdy at like the end of halves where he would just kind of play out the string and go to halftime, you know, up a field goal or up seven points to push the envelope and they would drive and they would score more points in a, in a rain situation 
you know, if the score was like 10 to three, <laughs> instead of trying to get it to 17 to three or 13 to three, he'd be like, shit, just run it out. Like, I, I think you're right. He is for a 43 year old. He's a, he's an old soul. I mean, he would have belonged in the seventies as a coach. Uh, well, and it might so, be the right, it might actually be the right approach for sure. here. Yeah. Like maybe not later in the playoffs. Um, but if you're, if you're saying, look, our defense can win this game, we're playing an inferior opponent. Let's let the kid get his you know feet wet uh and in a playoff atmosphere so let's just you know let's be conservative but you're right yeah he's definitely an old soul Gino's first playoff start as well right yep, I know he's, yep. he's a lot older and been around yep. a little longer but he's he's getting his first go around now they, they got nothing to lose right I mean Seattle uh I mean not if soul thought they would be here but that's not the way teams think and let's another team that I guess some people thought they would be here kind of a trendy pick when the season started to potentially make the playoffs Probably more people picked them as a wild card than win the division, but they're here. Uh, I, I, I just think under no circumstances can the Chargers lose this game. Now, I wouldn't feel great betting on Brandon Staley in a big spot. As we saw last weekend, that fucking place rocks. Uh, it, it, that place is going to be loud, but I don't know. I, I would just have a hard time. Yeah, I, I didn't think Trevor Lawrence played that great last weekend. Mm. Uh, obviously missed some huge throws. And there were just just even some basic plays where you're like, God, it just looks a, a little off. Uh, now they do. I, I don't know. I, I, to me, the Jacksonville Jags are probably a year away from like really taking them seriously. I like the Chargers in this spot, but I, I would have a hard time just placing money on Brandon Staley, though. That to me is is the pick. Yeah, I, and look, I I don't like laying any points with the Chargers. I actually money line the Chargers, and if you want to. You know, money line parlay with like the Bills, who I will get to. I don't think they have any chance of losing. Uh, could the Chargers just play weird games? Like they could, they're going to win this game by like one or two, yeah. uh, which I could easily see. But yeah, I mean, what, what this game boils down to me is I trust Herbert a little more than Lawrence right now. And you're right, Jacksonville at home, they do have the head coaching advantage. Although there's still some coverages that that Trevor Lawrence struggles with, and the Chargers' defensive staff. And that's where Staley still is good yeah. with his, his defensive mind. I think that they're going to have a really good game plan here. You got Bosa back, and their defense has been trending in the right direction. But what I think this boils down to, though, is the weakest unit in this game by far is the Jag secondary. And they've gotten away with it all year. They still, you know, they're they're 31st against the short pass, which is bad when you play the Chargers because they, I mean, they're too conservative when Lombardi and company, but they a lot of short passes. So that's going to hurt them here. And their, their secondary faced the easiest schedule of opposing quarterbacks of any team in the NFL this year. Just look at their division. I know. I mean, you, it's a joke. You played <laughs> yeah. the Colts twice, the Texans <laughs> twice. You clinched the division by playing Josh Dobbs uh, in the final regular season. Then They played some other passing offenses that had quarterbacks hurt, um, wide receivers hurt, like the first time they played the Chargers. So I think that's what this boils down to, is I actually trust Herbert a little more right now, and then... I trust the Chargers secondary a lot more than this Jacksonville secondary, which just hasn't been tested all year for the most part. And I think that's the difference. So I think Chargers win the game. I'm not even comfortable like two and a half. I yeah. money line them if you want to parlay it with the Bills. I think that's fine too. You get some plus money. If you tell me that when the dust settles on like Sunday night, this is the most entertaining game of the weekend just because it gets weird. Like I, I would be very prepared for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, then high weird factor here. Starting Sunday morning, I got a fun fact for you. You probably know because you're a big college football guy. Skylar Thompson was drafted 15 spots ahead of Brock Purdy. Uh, And honestly, I didn't even realize I didn't watch much Kansas State football last year, but 
it looks like those two guys are playing completely different sports. <laughs> yep. I would say if they could have a do-over on that one, they would take Brock Purdy over Skylar Thompson and pick 247. Uh, but I, I mean, I listen, I watched a lot of that game last weekend. I, I think he's terrible. I mean, he's just, he looks completely, I mean, overwhelmed as he should. You look at a stats at Kansas state. It's not like the guy was lighting people up. Uh, the dolphins obviously officially have a two, a problem. I would imagine this off season, they're not going to pick up his fifth year option, but that's a whole nother story. I, I just don't see how Buffalo doesn't de- just destroy these guys. I mean, that they, they are hanging on for dear life with their quarterback situation. Yeah, I mean, and then I, I think Tyler it's a lot Harvey's of points. It's a lot of points. I mean, I looked this morning; it was thirteen points. But if you tell yeah, me this game is forty to ten or something, I, I could see it. Yeah, the only thing that would scare me is, I mean, maybe I I, I haven't bet this game yet. I, I took some Bills money line with the Chargers money line just uh, in the parlay, but I, I would lean Bills. I mean, this this line got to nine with uh, rumors that Tua might play, <clears throat> which I don't know where they came from. I don't, I don't, I didn't think that he would play, and then it it came out to a. Is that uh, was ruled out and it went right up to 13, um, which might not still be enough. And for what it's worth, over the past 20 years, double digit underdogs in the wild card round are one and eight against the spread. Would think I, I would think that that might have been reversed, but a lot of times, just in this round, if the spread is that high, it's probably that high for a reason. It's not like there's a, the one seed with a buy. And yeah, this the Dolphins are in trouble. The only hope that they have is. You know, Allen could sometimes be sloppy. They got to run the ball and get a turnover early. Like, if they have to play from behind at any point, and I don't see how their defense can slow down the bill. Like, it, this, this just gets out of hand more and more. And then if you bet the Dolphins, you're hoping that they're, like, down 20 and the Bills say, look, we might have to play the Bengals and then the Chiefs. Let's chill. Let's not get any injuries here. And then you're rooting for a back door. So, yeah, this is Bills or nothing. Uh it's it's really unfortunate that we, got, that we got this game because it's just we've seen this and then you're getting the third string quarterback. I and, know uh, it's basically like a buy for the Bills. So I, I said earlier in the week, I mean, we just got the wrong two teams in the seven seed. Obviously, the seven seeds, hit, I just think moving forward are going to be very hit or miss. But the, the Lions and the Steelers would have yep. at least to me given potentially two games. Uh and the points. Yeah, the Steelers at least have big. a D that can like, all right, let's make things happen and ugly up this game. The Dolphins defense is just not like they're not gonna be able to match up here. And then you're gonna be playing from behind and, and it's just a mess. And yeah, Steelers and like this would be a Tomlin spot. We could talk about taking the points exactly. the Steelers and uh, but unfortunately. What, what were the odds you bet- got in the Bills Chargers money line parlay? One to Plus, one? Yeah, it was like plus 102, like right around even money. Um, my devil in that. I kind of like that. So, yeah, instead of taking like minus 145, I'm extremely confident that the Bills are going to win the game outright. So you're basically taking it to uh, a little plus money or basically, you know, even money that the Chargers will win the game. Uh, and then you got a little action in, on the Bills game, too. Just, it, just it, Exactly. OK, G- Giants at Minnesota. My logic is going to be pretty simple on this one. Every single person is going to, I think, when you wake up on Sunday morning, all the shows, gamblers, I think people are going to take the Giants. So I'll take Minnesota. I don't like Minnesota. <laughs> they are paper tigers. They're statistically, their point differential. It's crazy how they ended up, where they ended up. Obviously, they won a lot of those one-score games. Hell, they could have easily lost to the Giants. What was that, on Christmas, e- Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Uh, but I'm just going to take Minnesota because I think every person and their mother is going to take the Giants plus three in the spot. Got Dom. Yeah, I mean, the, the Vikings really got outplayed. They gave up 450 yards to the Giants um, in that game and really should have lost. I, I don't blame you for doing that. I personally 
Um, I teased the Giants to nine, and then I teased them with the Bucks on Monday night up to eight and a half. Um, you know, anytime you can tease through three, six, seven yeah. in the NFL, it's uh, a, a pretty good wager. And I, look, the Vikings, they win games by one possession. The Giants lose or win games by one possession. So there's a high likelihood that this game finishes Vikings by three to seven. Um, so I was comfortable teasing the Giants up. But you're right. I mean, this this line, if you think about it, you know, and the Giants could argue should have won. But this line closed Vikings minus four and a half. Uh, at home just uh, you know a few weeks ago and now you're laying three and there's a high probability that this game ends three with the way these two teams play and then you push but they could win by four or seven so yeah I think that there there might be a little value in the Vikings and I, I do think that everyone's gonna bet the Giants here everyone's yeah. saying the Vikings are terrible they only win by one possession but beating the Giants by one possession doesn't even make you that great anyway <laughs> um so yeah I, I think really high likelihood this game ends Vikings by three to seven. Uh, and then yeah, they go to next week. They're probably whoever wins this game is out. I, I completely agree. I mean, the the one thing Minnesota, that place, I mean, it's an actual it's an excellent home field crowd. They've always had, you know, in the dome. I think yeah. that place is going to be bananas. I mean, that skull yeah. chant loud. It, it's a pretty easy landing spot for, you know, first game for Cousins. I mean, the Giants, Dayball's done an incredible job, but man for man, they're just not that talented. And to me, their issue, and this is going to be an issue if Minnesota wins this game and they play the Niners, assuming that the weather is much more normal in a week and it's supposed to be, is their DBs, especially their corners, they just don't have good corner play. Well, yep. the what are the Giants going to do? I mean, like Plaxico Burris ain't walking through that door. So it's like yep. now the Niners next week with Ayuk and Debo and Juwan Jennings and Kittle like that, that becomes a major, major problem. But in this matchup, like, you know, I mean, what do the Giants want to do? Really ugly up the game. They're going to try to win it like 17 to 13. And we're yep. Minnesota. Yeah, if, they, if they can score points, like it's going to be hard for the Giants to hang with them. Yeah, and Vikings offensive line is 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 not playing well. They're, they haven't been able to run the ball the second half of the year, so they're they they'd be in deep trouble against the Niners. And the, a, a stat that'll work in your favor here for the Vikings, and this just this speaks to what I was talking about before with first time playoff quarterbacks. There's a lot of jitters, and but first time playoff quarterbacks versus quarterbacks who have a start. So in this case, you have Daniel Jones making his first start against Cousins, who has playoff experience over. The past 20 years, those first-time starting playoff quarterbacks have gone 16-34 and 34 straight up, 14-35-1 against the spread. That's 28%. First-time quarterbacks, where it's not 28% sample size of 50 games, that would apply to Daniel Jones here making his first start. It also would apply to the game we just talked about uh, with Skylar Thompson uh, taking on um, – Josh Allen does not apply to the Jags Chargers game and does not apply to the Niners game because you have two quarterbacks that are making their first time starts. One thing to me that's also interesting about the Giants, the Giants do upset Minnesota. I mean, what a win for Philly because then yep. the Niners just play the winner of the, of the next game. The, the Eagles get to play the Giants. I mean, yep. that, that is a huge, huge advantage. So to me, this game, to me, it's a fascinating just kind of how the, the NFC playoffs kind of shape playoff. out. Because it, obviously, if if Minnesota wins this game, assuming Dallas wins, that I, I think we got a pretty sweet Final Four in the NFC. You know, for those, I mean, I think the Niners would beat Minnesota, but that Eagle Cowboy game would be, you know, you better believe that thing's going to be on like Sunday Night Football, and that that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, 
Let's speak of your team, uh, the Ravens, who got some weird shit going on, and it all starts with the quarterback. It's still unknown. I don't totally blame Lamar. Like, am I going to lay it on the line when I don't have a contract? Though, this all gets back to earlier in the season. I mean, they offered him $170 million, and he said no. We'll see how that plays out. Now, ultimately, you know, there's I, there's even some buzz, like, could he not be on the team next year? Uh, if he plays in this game, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't read anywhere that people are people bullish thinking the guy's going to play in this game. I would say the line doesn't necessarily f- reflect that, right? I mean, is that yeah? It, oh. Line would be a field goal if he's playing and he was fully healthy. I mean, the Ravens were favored by f- four points, uh, three and a half, I think it closed at home when they beat the Bengals earlier this year. Um, and the Ravens' defense is much better now. So yeah, this would be the Bengals this played this better. This line. Yeah, this is Huntley line if it was. Now, last week it was Anthony Brown. The line was 11, and the Ravens probably should have covered that game. They gave away 21 points in turnovers, and they didn't play Mark Andrews. They didn't play Marcus Peters. They didn't play their starting left guard. They didn't. I mean, they didn't play uh, half their team, um, and they started Anthony Brown. That line closed at 11 and a half. Um, so now you're sitting at 8 and a half. I think, and look, this will be Huntley's first playoff game, so that the trend fits against Burrow. But um, I think this is a, a rare exception where I'm willing to take the dog. This is a high likelihood here. Bengals win this game by a field goal. And this is like, an, to me, the number, and number one, the home field is not big here. It's a divisional game. So there's a lot of familiarity. They were just there last week. And I, the Ravens don't need a quarterback. It really doesn't. Like the, the, over the past eight weeks, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a passing game. So you're not going to go out and ask Huntley, who can't really throw it downfield, to do much here. If you need Huntley to throw to keep you in this game against Burrow, you're done. You're cooked. It's it's not going to matter. So, But the Ravens' defense, since they signed Roquan Smith or traded for him, bit, arguably the best in the AFC. Their special teams are still the best in the AFC, and their coaching staff is still one of the best in the AFC. This is – you know John Harbaugh is 5-0 and straight up and against the spread on the road in the wild card round. Never lost. Um, he's done this so many times. He's done it against Brady. Um, you know, they, they, the most recent times against the Titans a couple of years ago, been been there, done that, knows how to prepare this team. And the defense and special teams in a divisional game, it's going to be, I mean, they are, Bengals are saying the Ravens were playing dirty last week. It, this is just going to be an old-fashioned, I think, AFC North game. And the, the Ravens have the defense that can at least slow down Cincy. And I think the one thing that people aren't talking about enough, and it might not, probably not going to cost the Bengals this game, but the Bengals are now down two starting offensive linemen, lost Lyle Collins, and then last week they lost Alex Kappa, their starting guard, who's one of their best offensive linemen. And after he went out last week, the Ravens were getting tons of pressure on Burrow, and they weren't even playing their their full complement of starters on defense. You saw it after Collins went down against the Patriots in that second half. Patriots are getting a ton of pressure. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. But missing two now offensive linemen, both on the right side, uh, against this Ravens defense that's playing really well. They won't be afraid of going in here. Special teams, coaching, defense, I think keeps this within one possession. I like the Ravens at, you know, eight and a half, nine. Dead, dead range now, you can see if it gets to 10. But, um, yeah, I think Dobbins, a lot of Dobbins here, a lot of punting, field goals, and then this stays within one possession. I think this game will be close, even though a lot of people don't think it will be. Well, and this is their first time, because last year, I guess they played the Raiders in the first round. They were favored, but it was nowhere near like eight and a half points. And then the rest of the playoffs, the Titans, obviously the Chiefs and the Rams, like they were the underdog. And now they're getting treated like they are the 49ers, like they are the Chiefs. And like you said, they are 
Now, I mean, a little undermanned, assuming Lamar doesn't play, but a, a franchise and a head coach and an operation that, one, is not going to be intimidated because they have a lot of – I mean, they're in the division. But, two, I mean, they, they are just kind of one of the sexy picks to potentially make the Super Bowl. It's a, it's a different pressure coming at you for Burrow and the boys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, last – and then last year, that Raiders game, they – Carr hits a helmet at the end. They're driving to – then they beat the Titans by two. Um and then they have that crazy comeback against the Chiefs. It's a pretty. Uh, well, know, remember, Derek path. spiked the ball on first down, like the ten yes. yard line, just gave yes. up a play. Unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Bengals are um, they're they're going to be a problem in the AFC here. But this this line is a little too out of hand. I've seen the Ravens go on the road and cover this number. I mean, my whole life on the, uh, ever since Harbaugh's got there. I mean, I, I remember going up to New England countless times against Brady. They would always be plus seven. Never be afraid. It would be Flacco against Brady, and the game would end 20-17. to 17. I think that's what we're in for here. Well, speaking of Brady, I, I don't think there's any franchise, any especially individual coach, that includes Brandon Staley, that has more pressure this weekend, or I mean, it was Monday night, than McCarthy. <laughs> I mean, the, the pressure on the Cowboys to win this game uh, is it, just massive. Obviously, the line reflects that they're favored on the road in the wild card round. Uh, I would imagine once that doesn't happen, you, you you know, I mean, it doesn't happen that often, right? Beside not accounting like a quarterback injury or anything. Um, I, you know, I don't think Tampa's any good um, at all. Now, they got Tom, and he, he's actually obviously made some plays down the stretch, throwing a lot more touchdowns. I mean, Mike Evans got on the same page, but I, I don't know. I, I no way I could pick Tampa in this spot, but I, I it's hard for me to trust the Cowboys because I watched last year at home against the Niners, and the Niners came in there and just hit them fucking right in the mouth. So uh, th- this is a this is a massive, massive game. And honestly, the next week, Dallas, I mean, if they win this game for, to play the Eagles, it's not like their fans and people will be like, well, Dallas is used to playing the Philly. It's not like they're going to be some huge underdog in that game, especially I saw Jalen Hurts just said, he's not acting like he's fully healthy. I mean, he's banged up. So you're getting the advantage. Your quarterback's healthy. Their quarterback isn't. And Dak Prescott, I say it all the time, like one of the reasons he throws a lot of interceptions is he does not have a strong arm. So a little bit like an Alex Smith or whatever, if he's a little inaccurate, it's a very catchable ball. Like when Josh Allen and some of these guys are throwing these 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, the guys play defense for a reason. They don't have the greatest hands, but they're still NFL players. Like Dak does throw a ball that – your average linebacker can pick. And yep. th- to me, that's what would make me nervous in this game because Todd Bowles is a good defensive coordinator. He can throw some stuff at you. And all of a sudden, Dak, you know, it's a tie game because he's got a couple picks, you know, headed in the fourth quarter. Like that, that is a foreseeable possibility. Yeah, it's a really interesting game. And Dallas, obviously, I mean, they're pretty much limping into the play after last week against Washington, just getting destroyed. <laughs> Their pass offense isn't playing that well. And yet, Dak with his turnovers, He's especially struggling against man coverage, and that speaks to a lot of what you just said. If the ball is a little catchable and yeah, the, the timing is just a little off, and I, I expect Tampa to run a lot of man here. I mean, you would probably be getting three, three and a half if Dallas didn't just get clobbered last week. Um, and I said before, I teased the Giants just to get them nine with the Bucks at plus eight and a half. I think this will end up being a close game. What might end up doing it, though, if it's not turnovers, because Brady, you know, over the you know, historically in the uh, – Every, since the beginning of time in the NFL, Brady doesn't turn the ball over. Um, you can rely on that, and that could end up being the difference here in a road playoff game. But the, the difference might end up being this Dallas secondary is not playing well, not fully healthy. They lost one of their corners to an injury. But the Tampa Bay defense hasn't been healthy all year. 
you talk about Vita Vea and Keem Hicks, when they've been both in the lineup together, uh, this is a team that's six and one. Their one loss came in overtime against the Browns um, when there was a Hail Mary late. And they're only allowing 3.7 yards per carry without them and 15 points per game. Without them, 4.8 yards per carry, 25 points per game. Throw on top of that, their secondary, which has dealt with a lot of injuries, specifically Antoine Winfield and the yeah. corners. Uh, now they're they're coming in here pretty healthy. And this is a defense that in week one went, you know, beat Dallas 19 to three, completely shut down that Dallas offense. And if you could stop the Dallas running game right now, which I, they can when they're at full strength, it's a very good run defense. Uh, then you can slow down this passing attack and Dak, who's really struggling. He's just not seeing things. So that might end up being the difference. I'm going to say Tampa wins this game. And, uh, but I, I feel more, if it was three, I would take them. I feel more comfortable just teasing it up through eight and a half lines are pretty efficient this time of the year. If they do win, and I don't think Tampa's any good either. And and one of the key things to watch here is their center who hasn't played all year, Brian Jensen, who's awesome. And I don't know how, you know, if it'll be limited, he might play. I don't know. He hasn't played a single snap in the regular season. He came off IR, but his backup's also banged up. So if he can't go, then the backup can't go. Then against the Dallas pressure and Brady, if you can pressure him up the middle, then things get dicey. So that's something to watch here. But if Tampa can win this game, I don't. I think that they're cooked against the Niners pressure. But if they, if the Vikings win and say, you know, the, and this is what I would want as a Niners fan, Vikings go to the Niners. Brady playing that Eagles team who runs nothing but zone, which you never want to do against Brady, wow. just letting them short pass it. I mean, that's what happened last year when these two teams played. I would not want that. If I was an Eagles fan. I would want that if I was an Niners fan. I don't think it matters. I think that they're advancing next week anyway. But um, yeah, things could get a little dicey for the Eagles. Uh, the difference between playing Tampa and the Giants. Big, big difference. If you think everyone's had enough of Tom already, imagine he just starts knocking off the Cowboys and the Eagles. Yeah. And people yeah. lose oh, their man. mind. Oh, but I, I think you spoke uh, with the two big guys inside. The, the stats on Dak over the years are pretty cut and dry, right? When he has to throw, when they have to lean on him to go Mahomes yeah. and Josh Allen and he gets the you know 35 to 45 plus attempts, that's when they get in trouble. Yeah. yeah. If their run game's cooking – and he's play action. That's when yeah. he's at its best, and the Dallas offense is at its best. But if you can't get the run game going and you're asking him to drop back and win you games, that's – yeah, you're right. That's when they get in trouble. Well, if Cowboys lose this game, I, I just – I know Jerry's been loyal in the past, but there would be a fury of anger from uh, Cowboy fans to get rid of Sean Payton, Sean Payton time? <laughs> I don't – I mean, could you see Sean and Jerry getting along? I, I don't know. Probably you know, not. Two big egos. Yeah. <laughs> two big egos. You know, Jerry doesn't like paying Roger $45 million. Sean's going to want about thirty. So uh, th- it'll be interesting how that one works. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen also seeing I've seen David Shaw to the Broncos. I do not agree with that one. I mean, David Shaw is uh he's a, he was a good coach for what he was, but he I, he's a, a kind of a dinosaur for the NFL right now. That's a that's a Condi Rice, you know, a little taking care of his her guy, you know. That's she okay. she's she's part of the Broncos. Yeah, it's I don't know if anyone's watched Stanford. I don't know the last three or four years they've been fucking terrible. Brutal. Um, but yeah, I I like uh, by the way, I like your I like your if I had to pick the Super Bowl right now. Uh, I'm gonna go Niners Bills. I, I I'm with you. I with Jalen being banged up. I mean, the Eagles just aren't the same. It's just yep. period, point blank, end of story. When he was humming, yep. they were awesome. When he's yeah. not, I mean, they're just. I don't want to say they're mortal. They're still really talented, but they're nowhere what they were. 
Agreed. And to me, the Bills, and we, you and I have been talking about it, are just such a great dome team. And the advantage now that this thing's going to be in Atlanta or whatever was announced is yep. is such an advantage. If I was the Chiefs, I'd rather like, can we just play in Buffalo? I'd rather just play yeah. outside. Seriously. I don't want to play you inside. I mean, they're wide receivers. We're not as fast anymore, and they're faster. Yeah, it, it's, yeah it's the Chiefs a, aren't living on explosive downfield no. passes anymore. Um, that so screws that's the enormous. Chiefs. I agree. But that's where that's where we're at, and obviously they got to win to get there. But I, sure. I think we'd all be a little stunned if it's not. It doesn't end up Bills Chiefs. Bengals fans are like, "What about us?" Like, yeah, guys, we'll see. <laughs> okay, Stucky, have a good weekend, bro. Absolutely. Good luck with all your Raiders. Enjoy the games. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.